Balancing Point, Episode 43. Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hello, and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast. My name is Kimberly Falker, and I appreciate that you're here today. Today, my guest is Jillian Vanstone, who is not only an amazingly accomplished dancer with the National Ballet of Canada, but she has known that this is what she wanted since she was six years old. And her interview today is is just really enjoyable. She's so open and honest and super sweet to boot. You'll hear today that Jillian was born in British Columbia and moved to Toronto when she was only 13 years old to study year-round with the National Ballet School. And she attended this school all the way through high school. And then following her graduation, Jillian entered the National Ballet of Canada as an apprentice and then was promoted to second soloist in 2003 and then first soloist three years later. And then in 2011, she was appointed principal. But I don't really need to tell you too much more because she's going to share her journey with you today in our interview. So let's get started. All right, so Jillian, I've shared with the listeners a bit about you. Can you share a bit more about where you started your training in ballet and what led you to where you are today? Uh, sure. Um, so I started, well, what got me interested originally uh, was uh, a Parks and Rec program that my mom put me in when I was three years old. And it was actually a movement with music kind of class, um, you know, as three-year-olds would be involved in. Um, and I had these little black ballet shoes that I wore and I just thought this was amazing and I actually have quite vivid memories of dancing with a scarf and admiring my shoes and um, so after that I just decided that that was ballet and I had to do it and I was after my mom for lessons um, and she put me in formal lessons when I was six because she figured I could uh, sit still and pay attention at that point right um, and really I I told my mom when I was eight years old that this was what I wanted to do. And I'm sure many eight-year-old girls say this, um, but I was very, very serious about it. Not, of course, knowing at all what that meant, um, but just that I really wanted to do it. And my parents didn't laugh it off, which I appreciate, and they asked my teacher if this was you know, even a remote possibility. Um, and she thought, yeah, I could, I could give it a go. And that's when they, you know, a few years later looked at more lessons and some private lessons and things like that. And, um, when I was 12, I found out that there were actually dedicated ballet schools and I had no idea about this. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so then, of course, my poor parents, I, I begged them to let me audition for the National Ballet School and went there for the summer program. And my poor dad thought I was, you know, going to summer camp. Right. At the end of that, they say that they'd like to accept me for the full-time program. And 
you know, he's, he was thinking I was just going off for a month and then coming home and that was the end of it. And, um, I actually did stay home uh, one more year because I, I, I mean, I was only 12 and I, I come from Nanaimo, BC and National Ballet Schools in Toronto is far. And, and you come from, or how far away is that from where you were living or where you grew up? Well, I grew up in Nanaimo and that's on Vancouver Island. So okay. no, it's, it's about five hours flying time to, to get there, you know, so it's... Um, it's a it's a big it's a big deal. Uh, I, right. You know, just as easily been across the pond in Europe for for how far it was really. Um, and so I stayed home a year, and and my dad and was able to think about this over the course of the year. Um, and then the next year, he said that I could I could join the full time program, and I felt ready to do that as well. So at 13 years old, I came to Toronto and went to the National Ballet School and spent five years training, did all my high school there, uh, auditioned for the National Ballet of Canada straight out of, uh, well, I guess in my graduating year and was accepted as an apprentice. And I've been here ever since. I was taken on as after my apprenticeship and uh, moved up through, you know, second soloist and first soloist and It'll be almost three years now that I've been a principal dancer. Wow. So going back to when you were little, um, as far as choosing to go to the summer at National um, Ballet of Canada, were there many options that you could have chosen, or did you just know that that was kind of the best and therefore you went there? What was your thinking on that? Well, you know, it's funny because I didn't really know all that much. I mean, Nanaimo's not a huge place, and... Um, there's a few options definitely in Canada. I mean, Winnipeg, there's also a school in Montreal. Um, but I really, I mean, I didn't know. I, I heard that the one in Toronto was good. I, it was sort of luck that, that, that fell together the way that it did. Um, and looking back, I'm, I'm very, very happy that that's the school I ended up at. You chose. Yeah, I mean. Now, did you have to send a video, or what were the audition process, or what was the audition process so back then they, when you were they, little? Uh, travel across the country, auditioning people for the summer program. Okay. And so I drove from Nanaimo to Victoria, which is about an hour and a half, and did the audition for the summer program. Then you go for the summer, and it's a month long, and that's the second phase of the audition process to go for the full program. So had you? you know, in your head at all thought, well, maybe I should try some of the places, you know, like you said, in Europe or in America or any of the other big ballet programs, or did it kind of seem like this was, I mean, was your intention when you went for that summer to hope to stay forever? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, this is really what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, there, there's something I, I do like that I was able to train at that level in my home country. Um, just as much as I actually enjoy being a Canadian in the National Ballet of Canada, you know, that I'm able to be in the country where I was born and where I love living and to dance at a company of this caliber. Uh, I really enjoy that. So I think it was, it was always the right fit for me. Now, as far as um, once you were in and doing the year-round, did you stay for summers, or did that particular location want you to go elsewhere for training in the summers? Um, 
So the, the, the returning students also do the summer program, but there was one okay. year that um, the school has set up a lot of exchanges with other schools. So there was one year that I actually was able to go to the Hamburg Ballet School for the summer, which was, oh, that's yeah, it was thrilling. It was really, really exciting. And we were, uh, that year was actually the first group to go and do that. Um, I was actually, I, I believe you interviewed Heather and Guillaume not uh-huh. And so Guillaume and I were on that trip together, actually. So. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, because he grew up in that program too, right? Yeah, yeah. We pretty much grew up together, actually. Guillaume um, went to the school the year before I did, and uh, we performed together in this uh, the this spring showcase performances, which is the the big performance that the school puts on each year, and we did Giselle together and things like that. So. Yeah, we, we essentially grew up from, you know, 13 years old together. <laughs> I guess it does become your um, surrogate family then, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I have friends in the company I've known since I was 12 years old. So what was, like, the housing and everything, you know, for you at that age? So there's a residence on site. It's actually, um, it's pretty great. It's it's the only school in North America that has all three uh ballet, academics, and residents in the same facility. Oh, wow. That is nice. It's great. Um, and so I, I grew up, um, you know, in residence, I had a roommate, and we had uh, three three levels of, of girls' residence and four levels of boys' residence, and each level had a, a house parent. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because definitely there were – challenges with that you know um teenagers can be mean to each other and and things like that. but um and not being able to go home to your parents when that happens was tough uh, but at the same time then in the older grades i mean we really became very very close and and like i say the friends that i have now um from that time i mean we have a, a bond that i think will always be there Right. That makes sense. And then I've always wondered, and I haven't asked this of of any other guests, but, you know, like kind of in deciding, um, you know, when when a child goes away, what about all those kind of major moments in your teenage life that typically you would expect to be home for, you know, you know, your first experiences of, of the variety of teenage experiences but you know what I mean like how does that feel when you're away from home to kind of have those firsts without a family around um I think like you say you sort of gain a bit of a surrogate family um I I was on the phone a lot with my parents uh as much as we could be um yeah at the time I mean now now people have cell phones at the time there was that's true there was two um phone lines that parents could dial into and of course they were always busy and they would spend uh, sometimes an hour trying to get through (laughs) because you know there's 150 kids and in the evenings at the same time the parents would all be calling at the same time. Oh sure yeah. Um, But you know we, we tried to be in touch as much as we could and I was able to go home four times a year. Um, Okay. You know having said that I know how tough it was on my parents and more and more, I, I don't have children of my own, but more and more each, as each year passes, I realize really the sacrifice that they made for me. It, it's right. pretty huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can empathize. I, my daughter's 14, and, you know, 
she's my only daughter. And so it makes me, not that it matters how many you have, but <laughs> still, <laughs> there's something about it that just makes me sick to my stomach to envision, you know, I guess because a parent always plans for a certain stage of the child's life that they go away. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> you're not prepared for the earlier years. But I can also just so admire all of the parents that I, I haven't talked to the parents, but the parents of those dancers that I've spoken to are just the amazing sacrifice emotionally that they must have made, not just physically and financially, but just emotionally, just that separation's got to yeah, be tough. huge. And I mean, I really appreciate what my parents did. And, and part of their consideration was actually um, some people that they knew whose parents didn't allow them to follow their passions. And, and they ended up later in life really resenting that and wondering what if. You know, like maybe they wouldn't have made it in their in their passion, but they might have. Somebody has to. And right. my parents never wanted me to, to wonder what could have been. And if I went and it didn't work out, at least I knew. Yes, right. That they were thinking along those lines. I, I mean, I, I appreciate so much that they did that for me. I, yeah, I could see that. And like you said, I mean, if you don't try, then there's always that wonder. And then, you know, you're going to channel your negative thoughts on the wrong people, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. So, you know, you've mentioned, obviously, how your family has participated in your success. But do you have siblings or anybody else that was kind of at home also? I do. I have an older brother. And we're, okay. uh, we're very, very close, actually. So, um yeah, the two of us were always, uh, I guess, a team <laughs> in in a way. Um, and he's not a dancer, or is he? No, he's a, an elementary school teacher. Oh, that's neat. So is he back back there with your family, or did he move out of there? Actually, he has been overseas uh, at an international school in Dubai for some oh, years wow. now. So my poor parents, we both kind of took off. <laughs> that's true. Um, at least my brother stuck around longer. I mean, he went to University of British Columbia, which was you know just a boat ride away from from Vancouver Island, and uh, he at least waited till he was done university before doing that. But we both sort of <laughs> took off. Well, I'm surprised your parents haven't just gone ahead and gotten an apartment in Toronto. Well, they're here actually. Well, they're here right now because we just uh, had opening night last night of our next oh, yeah. program, and and so they they flew in on Tuesday, but. They, they come often, which is nice. And my dad um, is retiring in the spring, and so that's going to open up their ability to see more. And they, they do come a lot. And when they're here, they just come to see every single show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really nice. Yeah, that I, I can't imagine. That would just be so neat. And, you know, in, in some of the other interviews, just hearing how much it means to have their parents in the audience, it just as a mother makes me so so happy to envision that whether or not it ever happens it still is a happy thing to think about you know (laughs) so Jillian is there one piece of advice that has stood out for you throughout your career that kind of has stuck with you oh there's so many I mean I've I've been fortunate with some some really amazing teachers that uh, have guided me through many stages of my career Um, I think what I always um, have to keep reminding myself, and it's something that is is a difficult thing to learn. Um, I feel like 
people in general tend to value what comes less easily to them more than their um, strong suits. Um, we tend to think that, I mean, for instance, I'm, you know, I'm better at fast footwork and jumping and, and things like that than Adagio, for instance. And so I spent part of my career thinking that what I was really better at, because it came a bit easier to me, I, I, I thought of it as less than the things that were challenging for me. And I would look at people who moved more lyrically and had you know, higher extensions and things like that, and I would try to change myself into something else because I valued it more in, in some way, um, rather than accentuating my strengths and, of course, working on the things that um, I need to work on. But I would, I guess, sort of in my mind set aside what my, my strengths were and, and put my focus on something that I wasn't. Um, and through the, my career, I've, I've learned more to be, I suppose, more true to myself and value more my strengths and play to them. Um, and I, I think people do that not just in art, but in... Yeah, it's kind of a life lesson, too, and you're right. It's too many times we as humans compare ourselves to the strengths of somebody else without pausing and thinking about how to really hone in on our own personal strengths, you know? Well, and I think what we forget is that perhaps somebody else is looking at our strengths and thinks That's right. that they're better than theirs. I mean, it's it's just, I guess, human nature, but... Right. I, I'm constantly trying to remind myself that I don't have to be what somebody else is. I have to be what I am. And as, especially in performance, that will make for the most genuine. That's true. You're right. And I think that, that you know, it, many of my guests have said that in so many words and, you know, kind of like find your own personal secret weapon because that's what you need to pull out when when you need to stand out. Yeah, that's actually a really good way of phrasing it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think it was Teet Helmets in San Francisco Ballet who said that, and he, you know, he said that that's important because, you know, to stand out to the director for, if you're competing for a part, you know, don't try and be exactly like the other principal dancer that's doing it. Find out what your special strength is and play to that as best you can in that part. Yeah, absolutely. Because and again, you know, that does equate to life or I think it would help an aspiring dancer that constantly compares themselves to the other dancers in the room if they're auditioning for a summer program or a year-round program or something. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, we're also insecure, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But who wouldn't be standing there, you know, in a leotard staring at yourself all day? Yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I can't imagine. And it's like, I always feel sorry for the hairdressers because they stare at themselves in the mirror all day, but I think it's worse for the ballerinas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I should have had that French fry yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> There's no forgiveness there. Absolutely. <laughs> so Jillian, was there a moment in your career so far that you kind of had like this all of a sudden, like this, oh my gosh, this is it. I've made it type of moment. I, I don't know whether I'd, I'd phrase it as I've made it because I, in some ways, you know, there's always something new to learn and there's always something to develop and there's always something to aspire to. 
But I'd say that when I got my promotion to principal dancer, um, I mean, there was a lot of circumstances surrounding it. Uh, I had been cast as the opening night of the North American premiere of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And it was a co-production between uh, the National Ballet of Canada and the Royal Ballet. And they premiered it in London, and then we had the North American premiere, and I was given opening night of Alice. And this wow. was really the biggest opportunity I'd, I'd ever had. And I, you know, learning the ballet, I, I loved it. I fell in love with it. I, I was so wrapped up in it and so excited. And, you know, when that, when that curtain went up, I was just, I just felt absolutely ready for it. And the show went well. And the audience loved the show. And I mean, in fact, we're bringing it back next year for many performances. Um, oh, good. Actually just was announced that we're going to be taking it to New York in September, which is really exciting. We're doing it again in Toronto in March and we're going to Ottawa as well. Um, but this was, I mean, such an amazing opportunity for me and it went well. And after those performances was when it was announced that I would be uh, a principal dancer and it was wow. something that I was hoping for since I was you know eight years old like I say um, and so when that happened for me it was just the most exciting I don't even know how to describe it thrilling thing that could that could be I mean it was really everything I had dreamed of so how was it announced uh, well, we at the season closing party that we have. There's um, for our top donors. There's a, a, a big party at the end of the year, and at that party, uh, promotions and uh, certain awards that are in in memory of of some people. And there's there's an award for um, you know young dancers in the company and things like that. So all of those things are announced at the party. And um, you don't know ahead of time. They don't tell you. Um, How fun. So, you know. So you're all dressed up. Yeah. And, and... But what happens if, like, somebody hopes for it and doesn't get it? Is it kind of sad? Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, there was a couple of years that I did hope for it, and it didn't happen, and it's hard. Wow. You know, you hope, okay, well, you know, I did this and I did that and that kind of went well and maybe and... Yeah, because you put on like the certain outfit envisioning what you would do, you know? Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, they're... they're... I guess it's like the Academy Awards, you know, they get dressed up the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you you definitely go in there hoping, right? So... Wow. It, um, you know, I didn't. I didn't want to get my hopes up going in. You know, I thought, well, maybe. You know, this was a big deal. This role was a big deal, and but I didn't want to really think it was going to happen because what if it didn't? You know. Right. Oh, fun. Were your parents there? They actually were. So that was really oh. exciting that they were there for that. Well, that's really neat. So you said that was when three years ago? Uh, yeah, it'll be three years in June. That's so exciting. So once you're a principal, is there, I don't know if this is something that, you know, you want to share, but like, is there a time where, where as a principal, you start thinking, oh gosh, I got to start thinking about chapter two, or do you just keep yourself in tip top shape or is, is there really no end to a principal status? Um, I think, I mean, definitely you have to certainly 
keep up. Yeah, in in tip top shape. I mean, there's an expectation also that comes along with the title. Um, you know, you can't get the title and then sort of slack off and think, oh, that's <laughs> that's that. You know, um, I think more and more dancers now, however, are thinking about the fact that this isn't a lifelong career. Uh, right. Your body eventually can't do it anymore. And uh, in Canada, we actually have this fantastic program called the Dancers Transition Center that was set up by a woman. She danced in New York City Ballet and also here at the National Ballet of Canada, uh, Joyce-Anne Sedimus. Okay. She set up this program. It's amazing. We, you pay a very low membership fee. And it's open to you know, contemporary dancers, uh, independent artists, doesn't matter, in, dancers in a big company, um, and you pay into the membership and at the end of your career you can apply for retraining grants. And so, you know, especially, I mean, I'm hoping to go into my early 40s with dancing. Mm -hmm. You know, so you say you have a house, you have a mortgage, perhaps you have children. It's kind of tough to be going back to school at that time and losing an income source and all of that. So they have this fantastic program that you can apply for these grants and you, you know, they're, they're very specific. You have to go uh, through the application process and really lay out what you're going to do. And if, um, if everything looks good, however, they're really supportive and they can help you go back to school. Well, that's really neat. She set this up because, well, when she was dancing, no one ever talked about transitioning. And it was this horribly fearful Thing that no one discussed and no one wanted to think about and many dancers were really lost at the end of their career and and so she really um, I mean put in so much work to to set up this program and I think it's been such a benefit to everybody it's it's quite amazing so I think now people think more about what they're going to do and maybe start doing some courses or right yeah it seems like most um or many of the those that I've interviewed, you know, one of the things they talked about being so proud of is the fact that they're in the middle of their college or almost finished or a senior, you know, and so along the way in their career, they have been plugging along and planning for their next stage in life, you know. I think it's important. I mean, you have to. And a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people think, oh, well, you could just teach. But I mean, if everybody <laughs> was ever a dancer, I mean, there's not enough jobs for there's not enough of that either right so <laughs> right I mean I know that years ago you know I, I got certified in aerobics because I loved aerobics so much but then once I was a teacher I didn't enjoy that yeah <laughs> so and you see that with yoga all the time some of my friends have gotten their yoga instruction license or whatever and just because you love the the activity doesn't mean that you love teaching that activity. Yeah, so. Like I actually, I really don't like teaching, to be honest. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you wouldn't be good at it. You know? yeah, I mean, I remember as as uh, a, a child, you know, those there's certain people that are meant to be teachers, and the skill right. that they have at drawing something out of people, or, or the energy that they have, or the way they put a class together. I mean, it's really special, and some people are just really meant to do that, and so. I'm going to leave that to them, you know. Right. They're, they're, they're meant yeah. to do it. I, I, it's not, I don't, I don't have that same level. And I wouldn't want to do it with, without being like, like some of the best teachers I've had. 
So what's your favorite thing about being a professional ballerina? Oh, my favorite thing. Well, I, I mean, once you get out on stage, it's amazing. You know, I love the lights and the costumes and um, the the challenge and the the energy of a of the company when a show's going well or the connection I have with a partner on stage. I mean, there's just something really special about that space. So if you have like a um, certain partner that you feel like there's a stronger connection to, is there any way that you can try and navigate to get paired with that person again and again, or is that out of your hands? Um, to a certain extent, I suppose I can... I mean, like, can you ask the director or the choreographer, can I be with that person, or is that totally not done? Oh, no, it's not that it's not done. I mean, I could I could easily say, you know, I really love working with this person as much as you could put me with them. I would love that. Um, now, that won't necessarily translate into, um, you know, the same opinion on the director's part. You know, maybe me right. more with somebody else. But generally, the people that I do have a good connection with, it translates into the performance and they can see that we work well together. And so there's definitely uh, a handful of partners that I tend to work with more frequently. Got it. So what kind of, from your perspective, what makes for a good partnership? Um, Trust is probably the biggest. Um, Yeah. So there's actually sometimes when you work with somebody, you don't feel like you can trust them? A little bit. Sometimes it happens. Okay. Sometimes they're, they're not experienced enough or, you know, they're, I mean, some people aren't, it's not their, their best thing. Their partnering isn't their best thing, you know. Um, certain people that, again, have a really amazing instinct for partnering and I can be so brave with them and really go for it because I know absolutely no matter what, if something goes wrong, we'll be able to feel what's happening and fix it together and, uh, you know, just just feel each other's instincts. Um, And, I mean, a lot of that comes with experience. You know, an experienced partner can see right away when things are going wrong and also not panic when they do, just calm. So that that can be an experience thing for sure. I think the other most important thing is is eye contact. Actually, really, ah, that's interesting. Be present with the person you're dancing with. Um, and there's been times that I've, you know, had incredible performances where I've been nervous, and my partner will look at me, and I just know that everything's okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really important to have a partner that you connect with well. Yeah. So on the flip side, what is your least favorite part about being a professional ballerina? Oh, I'm tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired all the time and my feet hurt most of the time. Um, that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's it. It's just, we're pretty much exhausted constantly. <laughs> so it's, and then I, I've asked a, a few dancers, but they, with point shoes, obviously it's kind of a personal thing. So you sew your own. Does it ever get to be kind of a grind, or do you just find it to be like a? You've learned how to make it a a zen moment for yourself. Oh no! Well, I kind of find it a grind, to be honest. Like, I just want them <laughs> to be ready to go. Uh, I don't. 
ever want to know the number of hours in my life that I've spent sewing shoes <laughs> when I when I could have been reading my book or something. Um, right? Can you? I mean, I guess you could listen to like books on tape. Well, usually, when I'm audio watching book. TV or um, if there's uh, a different cast, I'll do it while I'm watching a rehearsal or things like that. Um, but then you know you have to break them in, and when they're hard, they kind of hurt your feet a little bit more. I mean, it, it's. Never ending cycle of sewing and then they're hard and then they're good for a day or two and then they're dead and then you start again. <laughs> and then I've heard like from, um, I can't remember which dancer where she said that she doesn't want to sew too many because she felt like that was bad luck. Oh, so. really? Yeah, I mean, people have tons of superstitious things. Um, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you just like um, sew a whole bunch of them for a future? I have done that before. Um and I tend to, leading up to performances, I'm sewing a lot because I want to prepare a lot. I want to have backup. I want to know that, right. you know, if I decide on the day that this perfect pair I set aside, I think, what was I thinking? I need to know that there's another pair. <laughs> um, so I tend to sew a lot around performance time, for sure. That's funny. <laughs> so have you had, um, or I'm sure everybody as a dancer on stage has, like, your most embarrassing or devastating moment as a professional ballerina? Has there any been like one of those things that you're like, Oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. Oh, there's definitely been a few. Um, I mean, it, it's funny because people will say, Oh, do you ever make a mistake? Have you ever fallen down? You know, sort of thing. and I'm like, who hasn't, I think probably my most spectacular thing that I did <laughs> was during a solo. There was a slippery spot. Actually, a couple people were, gliding on it in the performance it was a nutcracker performance and uh in our in our production in the waltz of the flowers there's a bee that it has a little solo in amongst the flowers and it's really really challenging you know really puffy cardio wise and i was getting near the end and i hit the slippery spot as i was going to take off for a jump and my legs threw up behind me and i kind of supermaned and belly flopped center stage and heard the audience gasp I, it was just I made the loudest noise I could possibly think um, and it felt like an eternity but when I think about musically when I got up I was up in a split second but it was I mean it felt like slow motion and so wait you were a flower not no, a bee, I was right? the bee Oh, you were so I was okay. It was my big solo, and it was actually this moment where all the flowers leave, and I'm supposed to do this whole series of jumps all on my own. So it was just me, oh and really, like, downstage center, I belly flopped. Um, <laughs> I guess it's kind of at least in sync with the character. <laughs> <laughs> the bee has landed. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, and, and something I learned um, about mistakes on stage is that you have to laugh it off and you have to make the, the audience feel comfortable again. Um, right. You know, you want them to go away and go, Oh my gosh, that big fall. And that was crazy. You don't want them to say, Oh, that poor girl. And you know, be comfortable right. through the whole thing. So, you know, I got up and I laughed and I smiled even bigger and I probably danced better after because I'm thinking, well, that's the worst that could happen. So I have nothing to lose now. And, that's um, true. I, I, I think that's really the trick is, is the second you look distressed or uncomfortable and then the audience is really, really uncomfortable. And, you know, if, if something like that's going to happen, you want them to go away and actually laugh with you 
rather right. than go, oh, no, that poor girl and feel, you know, sad for you. and Right. And especially if you come out victorious, then they, they're more in your corner anyway. And then what's unique about that kind of moment is that I, w- I would guess the audience would wind up watching you more throughout the rest of the show anyway, because you're that one that they're like <laughs> rooting true. for. You know? I guess it's one way to make an entrance anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's <laughs> oh, funny. So what do you, what kind of advice do you have for aspiring dancers regarding auditions? I know it's been a little while for you, but I, I would guess that kind of you've got to see some things that might give you some thoughts on what today's dancer should or shouldn't do. I think, I think in an audition, especially, I mean, it kind of goes back to, uh, putting your strengths forward. Um, and you know, not being shy, going, really going out there and showing what you can do. Um, not being, I suppose, too polite about it or, or apologetic about it or, you know, there, there, there's sometimes a bit of, um, I don't know, self-deprecation or, or things that can show in, in people's performances. And I think it's really important to, you know, even fake your confidence, (laughs) um, and, and show what you can do. Um, it's, I mean, auditions are tough. And again, you look around and you compare and you think, oh my gosh, there's only two spots and there's 70 people here and look at that girl's legs. And it's a real mental exercise to push that aside and, just be present in yourself and and dance the way that you know you can dance. Um, I mean, it's so tough. Auditions are terrible. It's it's a really horror. I mean, it's a it's it's a valuable experience, but it's it's terrifying and it's stressful and and all of those things. Um, but I think if even if you practice ahead of time how you want your mental game to be on that day. I think that can be be really important. You know, like start thinking That's about true. how you want to feel when you walk in that room, how you want to feel when you get that first exercise. Um, it's true because it is, it is a bit of an acting job. You have to act the way you want them to yeah, see. Yeah, and, and, you know, don't leave it to the day when you're already nervous and, you know. Right. Ch- change your thought pattern to something positive. You know, you're excited about it. You're your goal for that audition is, you know, replace negative thoughts with goal oriented thoughts. Um, That's good advice. You're right. You know, those are the kind of things and, and start practicing a week out. I mean, I, I remember um, the first time I was doing this big solo and I was really nervous and, you know, a week before I was freaking out and I thought, Oh my gosh, if I keep going like this, I'll get to the day of and be a wreck. And so I started trying to trick myself that I was actually really looking forward to it. And, you know, the first day I did that, I felt kind of silly. And the second day I felt silly again. But by the time I got to the show, I actually was excited for it. Let's, let's transition into um, the, the new show, the a month, in a month in the Country. Tell us a little bit about that and your role as Vera. Um, well, it's... I mean, it's such a beautiful ballet. It hasn't been done since 14 years ago. and Anywhere or in your In company? our company. Um, we were actually the very first company when we did do it outside of the Royal Ballet to be granted the rights. Um, wow. They're very specific about uh, especially the ballerina in the leading role. 
Um, so it's so exciting that it's come at this time. And the, I mean, the sets are beautiful and the music is gorgeous. And I, I have this great role as, as Vera. I'm, I'm the ward of the, uh, leading lady. And, um, you know, I have, a challenging solo and a great pas de deux, and then at the end I get to throw a fit because the the boy that I love is actually in love with uh, you know the leading lady, and so it the character is varied and it's charming, and the steps are difficult but rewarding, and it's just a sort of gem of a ballet that is is really exciting to be to be doing. And uh, Sir Anthony Dowell came to work with us, and that was really thrilling oh my gosh so for those that don't know who he is tell us who he is well he was he actually originally leading role in a month in the country i mean he was a big star at the royal ballet eventually was director of the royal ballet um he's a sir so he's knighted um (laughs) so he's sort of a big deal um and he's just a lovely lovely man and it was a pleasure working with him in rehearsal and just such a pleasure to meet him it's um yeah, it's really thrilling. I mean, he was just such an amazing dancer. And as it, especially his, his characterization, I mean, just so dramatic and um, technically gorgeous. And yeah, he's, he's a bit of a star. So how long was he there working with you guys? Uh, so he's been here a little over, well, I guess almost two weeks. And Okay, the, so he's still there. Yeah, he leaves tomorrow morning. And so opening night was? Yesterday. How'd it go? It went well. Yeah, it was really nice. And we did a matinee this morning. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually in between shows right now. Oh, you have one tonight, too. Yeah. But, okay. um, yeah, it was. It went really nicely, and the audience seemed to respond well to it. So it was exciting. Oh, that's so great. So will that go anywhere else, or it's just there? Uh, just in Toronto for this run. Um, hopefully sometime soon we'll do it again. I'm not sure what the plans are, but... Uh, for for right now, it, it's just this this week long until Sunday. Actually, is this program, and then we move uh-huh. into um, uh, we have two more programs as well this month. So, so when you said um, that it's hard to get approved to do this, or they don't give approval, why is that, or what's that about? Um, I think they're just very specific with. Um, the, the, the people that are going to do it. I mean, it's very stylized. Um, there's only a handful of characters, and it's such a beautiful ballet. I think they really just want to make sure it's really done well, really properly, okay. you know. Um, you know, not every ballerina gets to do that leading role, so it's, it's quite a gift for the two ladies that are dancing it. You know, in closing, I'll just go ahead and ask you the final questions that I like asking all of my guests. Okay. Um, the, the first one is, if you could go back in time to your 13-year-old self, which is kind of ironic, that's when you moved, yeah. <laughs> with the wisdom and confidence and lessons that you learned along the way, what advice would you give to yourself? To not be too shy in, in the early years of my career. I think I... Um, you know, I, I I don't know. I guess again, a confidence thing. You know, I I um, I think I spent some time being afraid I wasn't good enough, so not always really jumping in there in, in the beginning. Um, 
And that would be that would be the one thing that, you know, it's never going to be 100% perfect. And I think for a few years I thought, oh, well, if I could just, you know, be this much better, then I would really be able to present myself, you know. But there's always something to work on. Um, and so I think uh, just putting a bit more confidence in my ability. And then with that same wisdom and confidence and lessons learned, what would be your advice to aspiring dancers today? You know, well, partly the same thing, but also to um, to try to have fun with it, to not to not stress too much, to really enjoy the process and enjoy what you're doing. Um, when you've been in it for a while, you start to get obsessed over small details and later on you realize that what the audience sees is a much bigger picture than these teeny tiny things that are important to work on but you know what it's about is showing your enjoyment and telling a story to an audience or giving an energy to an audience um, and really just remembering what it's like to really move um, like one does when they're first starting out. That's good advice. And you're right. I mean, from an audience standpoint, which is me, I far prefer the maybe non-technically perfect, but those that have the magic in their face and enjoy what they're doing versus those that are technically perfect and look uncomfortable. And I mean, and everybody says that, and we still all get wrapped up in the technique. Oh, sure. And it's a constant reminder, but. Well, it's an art of perfection, but you know, it's, I've said it to other guests before that sometimes when I watch, and it's kind of maybe an odd thing to do, but I kind of like blur my my vision a little so that I don't see who the people are if I know them. And yeah. I see like where where are my eyes gravitated to. And sometimes it's it's just those that just look like they're in love with what they're doing. And in professional ballets, you know, definitely it's it's definitely the dancers. And, you know, especially when you're looking at a core, there's just some that seem to have magic in them. Absolutely. And then finally, what's your favorite quote or motivational quote that you've um, heard that you've kind of applied in your life? I actually, well, I have a quote um, up at my dressing spot at our rehearsal uh, hall. Um, And it's from a poem by Anais Nin. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so that's, again, I guess, kind of the reminder to, to let go and and be open and, you know, enjoy and, and play to your strengths. Which is a nice theme that you've brought throughout the whole interview. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, Jillian, so if, if anybody was near in Toronto and wanted to um, see you perform as Vera, are there still tickets available? There are still tickets available. Um, we have... Four, yeah, five more shows. Um, I will be dancing Vera this Friday and Saturday evening. Also runs tonight, uh, and there's a matinee on Saturday, and there's also a matinee on Sunday. Okay. And then as far as um, following you or your journey in dance, are you involved in social media? I am, and I actually have a website. Oh, good. So people can check out my website at uh, www.jillianvanstone.com. 
And I also post all my performance dates there, and there's my bio and some photos and things like that. So I also have a blog that I uh, try to contribute to uh, as much as I can. It's so. hard, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I am on Twitter as well. You can find me just as Jillian Vanstone. So. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for your time. And say hi to your parents. I will. <laughs> Take care. And thank you once again for joining me today on Balancing Point Podcast. As you heard, you can find Jillian on her website, through Twitter and Facebook. And you can also connect with me, and I'd love to get to know any of you that are listening today. Um, You can find me at balancingpoint.com. That's P-O-I-N-T-E dot com, like the point shoe. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So do reach out to me if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or anything else. Until then, have a great day.